Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Thanks for joining me today. Our podcast today is entitled Managing the World's Most Difficult Person. And I'm not talking about our producer, David Lally, although I think it could apply. Objection. <laughs> I'm talking about managing ourselves. And I truly believe, as a performance coach, that if you manage yourself, you will see the greatest results. I've been managing myself, and I've been managing David Lally, and i got to say, I think I'm getting good at managing the world's most difficult people between the two of us. <laughs> I'm not that difficult. Yes, That's all are. I know of. <laughs> I wanted to let you know, you know, in the first four weeks of the show, we had 50,000 people in more than 60 countries downloaded. Nice. So amazing numbers. That was then. And today, I mean, the numbers keep growing exponentially. So it's been fantastic to see that. Thanks to everybody who's been leaving reviews over at iTunes. Keep them coming. We love to see it. It's great to get the feedback and know what you're liking about the show. Who knows? We might even publish one of your reviews. So please keep tuning in. We've got lots of great content coming for you including today's, which is absolutely not about me. It's not, but it could be. And David is doing a heck of a job. He's uh, lining up all the interviews and lays out all the content. Dave and I have worked together for the best part of 15 years and Thick as Thieves. He's from Galway. I'm from Dublin. So that's normally where you'll hear a little banter. We like to give each other a little rub. I'm the city guy and he's the country guy, you know, that kind of a way. Anyway, but we make him wear his shoes when he's in the studio. Oh, there it is. There it is. So today I'm going to dive into something I think you'll like. This is information that I have shared with a number of folks over the years at our company, Buffini Company. We've turned it into an entire industry where we've helped millions of people in dozens of countries. And at the end of the day, people are always looking for a solution that is outside themselves. People are normally looking to change their circumstances, but not change themselves. The great late uh, Lou Tice, one of my mentors, used to say, all permanent and lasting change starts on the inside and works its way to the outside. And that's really what we're here to talk about today. And I'm going to give you a very, very practical stuff today. We, we are going to talk mindset. We are going to talk motivation. But a lot of what I'm going to cover today is going to be around methodology. And that are some practical things to do. So the three things I'm going to cover with you today is how to manage yourself how to shore up your weaknesses, and then ultimately how to establish your routines. And routines and habits are ultimately the secret elixir of the most successful people in the world. The first thing I want to bring up to you about a success is that the number one thing I want to say about it is that it's a choice. Now, an awful lot of people in this world, their mindset is you have to be in the right place at the right time. You have to be lucky. You have to be brought to the right family. I'm going to share with you that in my own journey of success and as a student of success, very rarely have I seen people who were born with the silver spoon, the straight line path, everything fell into place, and success just found them. And there's a number of people, by the way, who do a great disservice to success by artificial humility and a false humility. Oh, I just kind of fell in my lap. I was lucky and this and any other. And again, a lot of times people are doing that because they understand that there was perhaps some providence at play or perhaps that they were aligned with their gifts and just some great things happened that they didn't foresee, which is true for all of us. 
But what sometimes unintentionally people don't realize is that when you tell people I was lucky or just good fortune and that kind of a situation, that it can create for people this passivity where either A, I've got to be lucky, and B, if I'm not lucky, I have an excuse. And so I'm just going to say this to you. Success is a choice. Health is a choice. I'm married 26 years to the love of my life. I'm crazy about this girl. I still chase her around the house as often as I can. It's a choice. It's a choice to be happily married. I have six kids. People come to us, oh my God, oh, you guys need therapy. Oh, you must be so exhausted. It's a choice. We didn't have a kid by accident, just so you know. Even the twins weren't an accident. And uh, we have a choice. We have a great family. Love, love, love being with my kids. Love doing all the things with my kids. And it's a choice. It's what I choose to do. And so economically, became a multimillionaire at 26 years of age after coming to the country impoverished and 92 bucks in my wallet and getting run over by a car and in and out of hospital for two years. It was a choice to become successful. It wasn't luck. I got run over by a car. That's how I entered America. I was 19 and 7,000 miles away from home. And I ended up in a prison hospital. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't good luck. It's a choice. Now, the problem with choice is that if success is truly a choice, then any area of our life we're not having success means it's our choice. Zig Ziglar said this. Zig, at one stage, battled his, his own weight issues for about 25 years. And he said I, he was 37 pounds overweight, and he said, I chose to be overweight because I never ate anything by accident. Now, you can't choose your DNA. You can't choose your body type. You can't choose, you know, I'm not six foot five and look like Adonis. It just, that wasn't in the gene pool. Irish Italian, five foot nine. I'm kind of like the Cadillac of Irish Italians at five nine. But I have a choice. I had a choice what I ate today. I could either eat the salad at the company lunch or I could eat the pizza. You have a choice. By the way, for much of my life, I made the other choice. So everything's a choice. Whether you're in debt or out of debt, it's a choice. You can't be held at gunpoint to sign up for a credit card. You can't be held at gunpoint to write a check on a bank account that you don't have the money in. They can't coerce you to buy a car, and you're forced to buy the car, and you drive off the lot with the car. can't be forced. Success is a choice. Now, for each one of us, we have a journey to find what the success path is for each one of us, because it'll be different for us all. That's where providence or destiny, some call it fate, lies in front of you. But the choices that we make are predominantly what set up our opportunity for success. Great mentor, great friend, the great Les Brown, you'll be hearing from him in a future podcast, has a great phrase. He goes, if you do what is easy, your life will be hard. But if you do what is hard, your life will be easy. If you make the easy choices up front, you get the hard consequences later on. If you do the hard things now, you get the easy stuff later. Getting out of bed, do the exercise, that's a hard choice. Get up when it's cold, when it's dark, do the exercise. That's hard. Eat the salad instead of the pizza. It's hard. Pizza look good today. Smell good today. But you do what is hard, your life will be easy. You do what is easy, your life will be hard. Powerful stuff. Let me share this with you folks. And I don't care if you own a company or run a business or an organization or a team. You're a leader. You're a manager. Oh, I need to manage this person. I need to manage this person. Let me say this to you. I need to manage myself. I counseled a young man the other day just getting married. 
And he was giving me a list of things he was hoping that his wife would change in areas of this and this and this. And I just said to him, dude, I'm 26 years married. And I can tell you this. Your wife doesn't need to change at all. You do. You do. You need to manage yourself. You need to grow yourself. That's what you need to do. And so that's my encouragement to everybody today. If you want to have the good life, if you want to have that mindset, motivation, methodology working for you to live in that good life and having that success in all the areas of your life, manage yourself. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's talk about managing yourself. Here's the first place I would recommend you start is to know your strengths. Know your strengths. We all have gifts. We all have abilities. In fact, our abilities and gifts are so natural to us, we're blind to them. And many times, the only time you know you have a gift is you'll see somebody struggle with something that comes real easy to you. A lot of times, it'll be voiced in the form of frustration. I don't understand why they can't do this. And it might even come out as a form of a complaint. What you're actually voicing there is something that's really natural to you, gifted to you, that someone else might not be gifted at. I came across this many years ago when I met some folks from the Gallup organization. A brilliant man by the name of Arthur Miller in the 1940s wrote a book called The Truth About You. And the Gallup organization got a hold of Arthur Miller's content and turned it into this science called historical observation, where they would study the patterns and the tendencies of people. And what they saw was that these patterns and whether it's communication styles or whether it's work styles or whether it's how they interact with others, how they manage themselves, you're like that from birth and you just become either a better version of yourself or a broken and bent version of yourself. And they broke it all down into this profile that they were utilizing in the 70s where Fortune 500 CEOs and people in the Pentagon were taking this test back in the day. And I went through it and it wasn't so much a test, it was an in-depth interview they analyze your patterns, and it's all broken down into these 55 different patterns and so on and so forth. And it was, when I got the information, it was fantastic. It was the first time I really became aware of my strengths. In fact, later on, many years later, that company, Gallup, spun this off into a separate company, and I later bought that company, and we use that technology. We call it a heritage profile. We use it in coaching people because we want to know what people's strengths are and how to help them leverage that. A great book on the subject would be Now Discover Your Strengths with uh, Donald Clifton and Marcus Buckingham. Marcus has spoken at our events several times. Uh, Donald Clifton says this, the most honorable thing to do is face up to the strength potential inherent in your talents and then go find ways to realize it. Let's say Pavarotti back in the day, who was you know one of my favorite all-time tenors. Let's say he, he says, no, I, I want to be a sprinter. And you got Carl Lewis. We all remember Carl Lewis, the great, American gold medalist, he wanted to be a singer, and he actually tried to become a singer. The thing is, okay, Carl, you need to know what your strengths are and your talents are and become a great version of that sprinter. And let's say Pavarotti decides, no, I want to be, a, I want to be an athlete. No, Pavarotti, you need to do a great job of just focusing on what you do well. And that's the truth of the matter is, in our world today and in our school system today, we're taught, oh, you got a D in this subject, you need to go work on the D subject. And I'm going to say this to you. In this world, especially in the free market system, you get compensated very well and you receive economic or notoriety benefits when you do what you do real well. If you do what you do average and you become above average, then you're above average. Jack of all trades, master of none. Show me a man skilled in his labor, he'll serve before kings, says the good book. 
Bottom line is we got to know what our strengths are and be better at them, work at them. So once you know your strengths, then the key is to play to your strengths. And I'll tell you a story. Uh, you know, one of the gifts of being in the public speaking world for so many years is I've had a chance to meet a lot of fantastic people and interesting people. And one character I had a chance to meet was Hall of Fame coach John Madden. John Madden won the Super Bowl with the Raiders, and he was known for his commentary on football for years. And now the Madden NFL game is a huge seller. And uh, we were talking backstage, and I said to him, what was your best day in football? You know, just wanted to know what was his best day. What would be a highlight? And he said he was an assistant coach at San Diego State, and they sent him to go to a seminar with the legendary Green Bay Packer coach, Vince Lombardi. And so Vince Lombardi took over a losing football team when he went to Green Bay. And they'd gone 2-12. and 12. The season was 14 games back then. And with only one change of personnel the following year, they went 12-2. and two. And they won six out of the next nine seasons that they won their championships. And so he made famous this one play called the Packer Sweep. And basically, the Packers used this one play over and over and over again. They'd sweep left, they'd sweep right, they'd draw up the middle, and then once in a while, the quarterback would throw the ball. In fact, there's a famous story of Jerry Kramer, one of the guards for Green Bay, playing against their rival, the Chicago Bears. And the defensive tackle says to Jerry Kramer, Hey, Jerry, you're sweeping left, aren't you? And Jerry goes, Yep, we are. And they swept left and still got a first down because they played to their strengths so much. They had this play down over and over again that even if you knew it was coming, you couldn't stop it. And John Madden goes out to spend a day with Vince Lombardi and Vince Lombardi holds a seminar for eight hours with a half hour lunch break on one play, the Packer sweep. And at the end of the day, he apologizes to the group and says, I'm sorry I couldn't go into this in the detail it deserved. And he spent all day on it. The fact of the matter is, Vince Lombardi was a master of knowing what his strengths are, knowing what his team's strengths were, and playing to that strength. And that team won six championships playing to its strengths. Let me say this to you. Maybe you need to win an economic championship in regards to getting out of debt or building your fortune. Maybe you need to win a a health championship by getting out of the ravages of sickness and poor health and not feeling well play to your strengths play to your strengths don't try to lose weight and get into shape with someone else's playbook find out what your playbook is what makes you strong what works for you and then go do it so know your strengths play to your strengths and then the third thing would be leverage your strengths leverage your strengths maximize them you know to the best of your abilities i'm a guy that doesn't have all kinds of talents, but I have a couple. And I found a way to leverage those and turn it into an entire industry. You know, our coaching business has changed. First the real estate business and then the then the lending business. And now we coach and train 40 different types of businesses in the U.S. and Canada. I found out what my strengths were, which is the ability to clearly communicate systems for people to stay on track as a small business owner and be able to teach that and train that so people could get it. And we've turned that into an entire industry with hundreds and hundreds of people. Leverage your strengths. Know them, play to them, leverage. One of my favorite quotes is from the great Irma Bombeck. And she said, When I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and can say, I used everything you gave me. That would definitely be a great statement to have. A good example of this 
would be that we had a couple in our coaching program during the recession. A recession for the real estate industry in the U.S. was a just unbelievably difficult time. Over 400,000 people left the industry. Of those that were left, they were making 57% less than they did before. It was just brutal. And many people in real estate also owned a lot of real estate. So the number one job for losing their homes to foreclosure were realtors. So they were losing their own net worth. They lost a considerable amount of their own income. And then when they did go to work, they were helping people who were either going into foreclosure or working through a short sale. So it was just an extraordinarily difficult time because their customers going through hell. So we have a whole system of how we generate leads and help people generate referrals. And uh, Carolyn Wick Ashley from Portland, Oregon, they came along and they said, I really like this system. But early on, Carolyn realized she wanted the results of the system, but there was elements of it that just didn't fit with her personality. And she's really struggling with this, and she feels guilty. I'm not doing the work, and I'm really not into this, but I want to be into this. And so her coach wisely said, look, let's take a look at what your strengths are, what your gifts are, and let's align the parts of the system that align with you. And it turns out these guys are great at hosting people. They're very engaging relationally. They like to have fun, very gregarious by nature. And so coach sat down with them, put out a plan that these guys are going to party their way to the top. And instead of all this stuff that felt like work to them, making calls or writing notes and doing those things that are elements of our system, they said, okay, I don't like calling through people and feeling like I'm a telemarketer, which that wasn't what we were teaching, but that's how it felt to them. Like, no, you're going to put on a party and you call all your buddies and your clients, whatever else, to come to the party. So they started doing, whether it's a cut-your-own-Christmas-tree party or inviting them to a pumpkin patch or a summer barbecue or uh, once a month they host a happy hour where they pay for some beer and some appetizers and they talk all things house at a local brewery, okay? And all of a sudden, you know, making the calls to stay in contact with people, which was a drudgery before, when it was inside their strengths, no, I'm inviting people to a party, they started doing that. Instead of, oh, I don't like writing the notes and doing the mailings and those kind of things. Hey, but I don't mind sending out invitations to get people to come to the party because we want lots of people to come. Now, these are folks who are doing $5 million a year in sales during a recession. And that jumped from 5 to 12, from 12 to 13, 13, up to $27 million in sales. Why? Because we helped identify their strengths. We had them play their strengths. And then we leveraged their strengths, in this case, by using parties. That's an example of what I'm talking about. Now, it's in the business realm, but you can do that in all areas of looking for success. So that's my encouragement to you. What do you know about your strengths? To what degree are you playing to your strengths? What do you have around you and with you to help you leverage your strengths? The second thing is once you're working on your strengths, then you want to shore up your weaknesses. Don't start with your weaknesses. You start with your strengths. But now once you do that, now what you want to do is identify and acknowledge your weaknesses. I think this is one of the things that's helped me the most as a businessman is identifying what I don't do. And I am quick to get people to help me do what I don't do. And by the way, that's a common characteristic I found with many, many successful entrepreneurs especially. They quickly recognize what they do well. They quickly recognize what they don't do well. They get people who do well what they don't do well, and the next thing you know, they got a great team. Talk about performance consultants. Peter Drucker, probably most influential in developing what became the corporate consultant. Uh, he said, the idea that there are well-rounded people, people who have only strengths and no weaknesses, is a prescription for mediocrity, if not for incompetence. 
Strong people always have strong weaknesses. So where there's peaks, there are valleys. Powerful stuff. Identify and acknowledge what your weaknesses are. Then the next piece is you delegate, but you don't abdicate. So you delegate your weaknesses, but you don't abdicate. Whether it's in a business, whether it's in a home, uh, whether it's in a career and a job. You know what your weaknesses are, but you don't go, I don't do that. So I, I've had people go, I don't do the money. I, I run with a lot of professional athletes. The number of professional athletes who absolutely have ended up in a complete financial disastrous state because their manager ripped them off and took all their money. I mean, it's, it's in hundreds of examples I could give you. Or a brother-in-law or Uncle Izzy was the financial manager. Here's the thing. You might not be real strong in the area of financial investment or whatever else, and you might not even speak the lingo and understand how it works, but here's what you have to do. You need to get some help to do that. You delegate to someone who really knows what they're doing, but you hold them accountable to give you feedback. In my career, whether it's on a team, in sports, whether it's in my business life, administratively, economically, whatever area, you delegate, don't abdicate. Let me give you an example. The first mistake I ever made is I hired one of the top personal trainers around. And I abdicated that my health and my fitness and my well-being was this guy's responsibility. Well, it wasn't his responsibility. It was mine. And I didn't own it. And the whole time, I'm paying this money, and I'd go work out, and I'd go do this. But here's the thing. I was the one putting the food in my mouth. I was the one not going for the extra exercise. You can't abdicate that stuff. So even though it might not be your greatest strength, you can delegate to get help, but you can't abdicate. Theodore Roosevelt, one of my all-time favorite presidents, my daughter actually has a horse named after him called Teddy, said the best leader is the one who has the sense enough to pick good people to do what needs to be done and self-restraint enough to keep from meddling with them while they do it. And that's the key to being a great delegator. So identify and acknowledge your weakness, delegate, don't abdicate, and then lastly is stay disciplined. Again, my mentor, the late, great Jim Rohn, said, Discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishments. Many people have goals, whether in mind or in writing, but ultimately, discipline is the key. And again, that's ultimately why Brian Buffini can't have an infomercial. Because discipline, staying the course, doing the hard work, that stuff's not sexy. It's not three easy payments in 1995. You can't get it all done in 60 days. That kind of a situation. And so you got to stay disciplined. So identify and acknowledge your weaknesses. Delegate. Don't abdicate. Stay the course. Stay disciplined. You'll rock and roll. Again, we want to make sure that when we're understanding the opportunities ahead, that if we manage ourselves and make the right choices, we win. Now, the last piece I'm going to share with you here is going to seem somewhat contradictory. I'm going to share with you the third key to managing yourself is to establish your routines. Now, a routine by Webster's Dictionary is a prescribed detailed course of action to be followed regularly. A prescribed detailed course of action to be followed regularly. So, I'm going to say this to you. Habits, routines, in his best-selling book, The Powerful Engagement, Tony Schwartz and Jim Lehrer, Tony lays out that he calls these habits rituals. And that is, it becomes so ingrained, and it's done with such frequency that it's just a ritual. It's a got to, and you do it in such a degree that it's on automatic pilot. Here's what I can tell you about my own success economically, in business, in health, in family. Wherever I've had success in my life, it has been this. 
that I established a routine and I did it so frequently that it became second nature to me that I didn't have a choice to make. And that's the truth. Economically, I say make your savings automatic. Well, I've saved twice a month, every month for 26 years. That's consistency. Why? Because it was automatic. It was automatic. It's done by the bank for me. I don't even think about it. The fact is, if you make your decisions, the fewest amount of decisions you can possibly make, make it automatic. Now, again, some people go to the nth degree. There's an example of Mark Zuckerberg who uh, created Facebook. He has all of his clothes lined up for the week, and they're all the same clothes. He wears the same clothes every single day because he doesn't want to have to think about it. Now, that's, that's pretty extreme, and I always say to people, if you're going to have that kind of habit, you've got to become rich because then you're considered eccentric. Because if he did that every day and he's broke, you're just plain weird, okay? So that's the dynamic. And, and for me, my brother, times he'll say, well, is this one of your little Howard Hughes-isms? I have a bunch of routines and I have a bunch of rituals that I do all the time that I do exactly the same way. And it keeps me on track. Now, again, as long as you're successful, people think, man, that's cool. If you're not, you're kind of a loser. So I'm going to say to you, establish your routines and you'll do well. So a prescribed detailed course of action. Again, Jim Rohn says, motivation is what gets you started, but habit is what keeps you going. And that's what we want to have. We want to have these great habits. So first of all, it's what's your prescription. Now, for me, your prescription, like you go to a doctor, is the goals that you set. The goals that you set is, I want to establish a routine. It's got to start with what I'm hoping to be. What am I hoping to do? What am I hoping to achieve? What am I trying to get done? And, and to me, goals are a three-dimensional thing. You, first of all, you've got to commit them to writing. Second of all, you've got to read them regularly. Third is you've got to either see them, visualize them, or have pictures of them that remind you of what you're trying to get accomplished. And we'll talk in future podcasts about goal setting. So you get your goals. That becomes your prescription. The second thing is you schedule it out. Dr. Alex Lackey, who was the most organized man in America, was one of my mentors, and he said this, Brian, you've got to practice reverse scheduling. You start out with the goal in mind and what you're going to do and when you hope to accomplish it. And then you list out all the steps you think, even though this won't be right, all the steps you think you need to take to reach that goal. Then what happens is you say, here's the goal, here's what I'm trying to accomplish, and here's when I'm trying to accomplish it. And then you start laying in these steps of what needs to be done. And what you'll find out typically is, one, you should have started a year ago. (laughs) Two, you think you can get this done in a year. It might take two years or three years or four years. But the third thing you'll find out is now all of a sudden I have this schedule. I have this schedule. And so now you have a schedule with timelines in the movie business, in the, the software animation development and game business. They call it milestones. But you create these schedule that's built with these milestones. And I have here's mile one, here's mile two, here's mile three, here's mile four, here's mile five. This is the same way you run a marathon. This is the same way you build a game. This is the same way you create a movie. This is the same way you run your life. You have these goals. You have them in mind. You know what you want. That's your prescription. The second thing is you're going to schedule it out. And I like to reverse schedule it and come all the way back to today. And then the third thing is have a prioritized to-do list. That would be the third point. Have a prioritized to-do list. And again, I know that sounds real basic, but I'm just going to say to you, with all the technology I see people using, it's amazing to me that so many people, when I I ask them, "What, what are you trying to get accomplished today? They don't actually know. And so, again, Zig Ziglar used to say, put difficult things at the top of your list because doing difficult things is kind of like eating a frog. The longer you look at it, it ain't going to get any prettier. 
So put those difficult things you got to get accomplished early and knock them off early. For me, the prioritized to-do list starts, I do it at the same time in the same place every day. If you're using a day timer, if you're using a, a notepad, if you're using an app, whatever it is you use, if you put it on your computer, if you're trying to make it a habit for the first 30 days, do it at the same time in the same place every day and make it a prioritized things to-do list. Cleaning your desk and doing all that stuff, that, that might not be the highest and best use of your time. So I follow the old Franklin Planner system, which I was trained in years and years ago, which is I prioritize all my activities into A's, B's, and C's, and then I prioritize the A's into one, two, threes. And so the, the dynamic ultimately is you get a prioritized things to-do list. And here's a piece of advice, especially for those of you who are getting a lot accomplished. The more successful you become, the less of your prioritized things to-do list you'll get each day. The more successful I've become, what i found is I tend to get the very tip of my schedule done, and my list grows exponentially each day. Now, again, I've learned how to delegate those things and hand those things off. But at the end of the day, you're going to find that to be true. And the more successful you become, you've really got to focus on the priority of what's most important to get done. I'll say this to you. Routines, habits, rituals, whatever you want to call them. It is what I have seen separate people who really, really achieve at high levels and those who do not. The Powerful Engagement is a fantastic book. Tony Schwartz, I mentioned that. Another brilliant book is Charles Deeg, who wrote the book The Power of Habit. And if you get a chance to pick that up, I would highly recommend it or listen to it. Absolutely fantastic. If you want to succeed, the first thing that starts with is a choice. Picture yourself at a crossroads. There's crossroads every day, every week, every month, every year, and in the life that you lead. What choices are you going to make? And I will say this, the choices I've made reflect in the life that I lead. The three things for managing the world's most difficult person, you got to manage yourself, shore up your weaknesses, and establish your routines. Wanted to give you some short, pithy help today, a few references, a few books, a few things that might help you along the way. If you've enjoyed this, tell your friends. Our mission at The Brian Buffini Show is to positively influence as many people as we can in helping them live the good life. And I hope you enjoyed this show today. I hope you share it with your friends. We're never too busy for your referrals. Tell your buddies who want to live the good life to subscribe for free to The Brian Buffini Show. I'll leave you today with a little Irish blessing that my grandfather always said. May the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, I hope you know that God has you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time. 